You're listening to the GameStreet.biz Microcast. I'm James Batchelor and I am joined today by... Chris Dring. Hello. Hello. Uh, few stories to talk about ahead of what is a very busy week. Um, we'll kind of finish off with that because you were just reminding me how busy a week this is going to be. But we'll uh, look at the biggest stories that have been happening recently uh, before we look to the future. Um, one of the biggest topics of discussion last week was uh, Microsoft and the notion that it might try and put Game Pass on PlayStation, Nintendo and other devices. Now this came from uh, the Xbox Chief Financial Officer Tim Stewart did a presentation during the Wells Fargo TMT Summit last week. And during that presentation, he said that uh, the aim is, the Microsoft's goal is to make first-party games in Game Pass available on, and I quote, every screen that can play games, which is taken to mean rival consoles. He then added, um, it's a bit of a change of strategy, not announcing anything broadly here, but our mission is to bring our first-party experiences and our subscription services to every screen that can play games. That means smart TVs, that means mobile devices, that means we would have that what we would have thought of as competitors in the past, like PlayStation and Nintendo. A um, couple of bits before we dive into this. First of all, this is not necessarily a, a new thing. Phil Spencer has said five years ago that he wanted Game Pass on every uh, every device that can play games. Um, funnily enough, it's come out actually since. Uh, he had a, Phil Spencer had an interview with Windows Central saying that bringing subscription service to rival consoles is not in its plans. Um, it's just not something that they're working on at the moment. He said, Game Pass was one of the things that over the last five years we built and we continue to grow. It's on PC, it's on cloud, it's an important part of the Xbox console identity and I think it will be continue to be that. Um, we also ran a the weekly column from Rob Fahey, who's our uh, contributing editor. He actually did a really good analysis as to why it's very unrealistic, the idea of getting Game Pass onto rival consoles. Now that's partly the financial terms, well partly obviously the fact that Sony and Nintendo won't necessarily want a Microsoft service on their device. It's partly the financial difficulties because if they did allow it onto the device, presumably they would expect the 30% fee that they charge to all other content that's on their platforms. And then obviously that would then affect the developers and how much they're receiving money-wise and so forth. So it's a really interesting concept. You can absolutely see on a very kind of top line level why Microsoft would want to get to the point where Game Pass is on every device. And it's it's another subscription service like Netflix or you know Spotify or whatever. And particularly if it was powered by cloud, that would make it easier to do so. The reality of seeing Game Pass on, it, on, on a non-Xbox games console ever is beyond minimal and i don't think that's changed in five years either chris what were your thoughts on this um well it's they've spoken about this before um and yeah it's, it's what rob said even ignoring the financial model it's just you know nintendo stopped supporting animal crossing after 18 months and i was sort of given the hint internally the reason for that is they wanted people to stop playing animal crossing to buy other games they certainly don't want people subscribing to a, a service which means they don't buy nintendo games because they've got hundreds of access to hundreds of titles uh someone else's titles this isn't um it's worth thinking you need to think of game pass as the platform or or, or whatever you know mm. game pass is a platform in itself it is a it is a, a thing that you spend money on and you get access to an awful, an array of games it's basically it's like a games console just the business model is different 
Um, and obviously, it's 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 a it's a business it's a business model rather than a a, a, a a distribution channel. But but it is it is it is effectively something that will get people in there. You become a member of Game Pass, and you you you're set for life. And I, it's it's not it's certainly not likely. And I don't I think but Xbox, of course, would love it if there was a way of making that work to some degree. You know, maybe if it was um, certain titles um, could be included into something that Nintendo do on Switch Online. And there's, you know, it, there's there's certain partnerships that perhaps could be struck further down the line, perhaps that, you know, that's a little different. You subscribe to PlayStation Plus and you get access to Game Pass Lite or you subscribe to um, uh, Switch Online, maybe, depending on how the subscription model evolves in the future, that something like that could happen. But the idea of, you know, buying a PlayStation 5 and then subscribing to Xbox Game Pass, that's um, that's potentially a damaging impact on the rest of Sony's business, which is, you know, software sales and service sales. So, no, it, it is it is obviously unlikely, and Xbox know that. And also, they're not the biggest opportunity for Xbox, those consoles. You know, PC's a bigger opportunity for Xbox. Mobile's a bigger opportunity for Xbox. And that is where um, I expect them, and they are, putting their efforts. But it's not all about Game Pass. They're, 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 what it felt for a period of time like that was the 100% of their focus. That was what they were trying to build. But they've sort of um, softened that stance a little bit. You know, still a major component in what they offer, but they're sort of acknowledging that people will be playing and buying these games through various different means and measures and they're, lo they're looking at launching their own store now on mobile and all of those sort of things are different ways of um of sort of building platforms and engaging audiences and um creating um little worlds for them to live in um and um and how that's going to flesh out and change over the next 10 years well it's difficult to predict but i don't think so. subscription is just one of the avenues that they're going down and um uh yeah, and I say PC and mobile will be their focus. You know, really Nintendo and Xbox, a PlayStation opportunity is quite small compared to those. Mm, absolutely, yeah. There's much, much bigger markets, much bigger audiences. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm much more interested in the idea of them opening a mobile storefront. Um, we're obviously reaching the stage where, I mean, it's already possible to launch your own app store on Google Play, on Android. Uh, so not on Google Play, on Android, alongside Google Play. Um yeah, and Epic is Epic has been in court for the last three weeks, arguing that this is that Google makes this financially unviable for anyone, but it's still possible to do. So there's less barriers there in front of Microsoft in terms of coming to Android with a with a store. The issue is Apple, obviously, in its closed ecosystem. I believe there's some sort of legislation coming out in EU that is going to potentially mm -hmm. open up mobile ecosystems and ensure that that third parties can introduce their own marketplaces so if they can get onto ios that would be a big opportunity for them i'm intrigued to see how well they do with that though because obviously microsoft haven't been haven't had a mobile store for a while like the whole windows phone ecosystem kind of died down the windows store on mobile on yeah. mobile died down i don't even think the windows store on pc is particularly when it comes to games isn't particularly popular compared to the likes of like steam epic game store and so forth so I'm intrigued to see how well they would do in that space, given the yeah, given given the barriers they've got to overcome to even launch the store, certainly on iOS, and then given the lack of experience they have in that a that yeah. that specific sector. I suspect it's linked to their some things like Game Pass, for instance, where they're going. Well, if you subscribe to mm. this, um, you get access to our games via our app, um, uh, like Netflix does with its games, I guess, um, uh, to a, to a different degree. And then, um, and then, um, or even things like cloud streaming, you know, put that all into one space with downloadable games. 
you're right though at microsoft they're not it's the same that epic store had like you're competing with an existing um uh existing um storefronts that are that are refined and huge and um been doing this for decades and you're trying to sort of um you'll be playing catch up i don't necessarily think microsoft is probably viewing what they're going to build as like a genuine competitor to the app store or, or google play but um perhaps as a, mm. a, a a means to deliver its products and its um uh, cloud services um in con in collaboration with their other with their maybe game pass business model it'd be interesting to see what they what they put together um but it, they've not had a great history with it so it's um and i'm they'll be aware of that and they'll be um um they'll be i hopefully have realistic expectations i was intrigued to see how well such a store would do in terms of like if they're going to launch a mobile store it needs to it needs to include native mobile apps now they've got that with all the Candy Crush and Bubble Witch and all the King games that they, they have, have acquired through Activision Blizzard. So they've got a portfolio there to start with. But, you know, I've, I've tried Xbox cloud gaming on my phone and like the, you know, the the performance is hit and miss. So the idea of just simply bundling Game Pass into this this mobile yeah, store. Yeah, I think... I, mean, or, or, I agree. I, I think they've got more they've got more to do in terms of uh, mobile content acquisition um yeah king and activision mm. blizzard call of duty mobile and their streaming stuff is is a, is a is a base to which to build upon it's certainly not enough is it um but um uh in terms of quantity there's some big uh, big titles in that don't get me wrong but um but yeah it, i i think um i think that's where you know i think we'll probably see them uh, when i say acquiring content doesn't you necessarily mean buying it you know it might be you know Mm. you know uh, putting it into their service you know their whatever their game pass mobile service will include these titles that they've signed from other developers and stuff like that so um i think there'll be some work going on there particularly in markets i suspect the biggest opportunity for from sort of, we talked about microsoft sort of sales have fallen quite hard in europe this year and um and so i think it's an opportunity to sort of make you know mobile's an opportunity mobile and pc's opportunity for them to grow uh, in Europe, um, when the console isn't doing quite so well, it's markets like India and, and Asian markets, there's opportunity there for Microsoft. And I suspect they could do with some games, uh, particularly on mobile and PC, where they can um, uh, uh, appeal to those people. You know, Microsoft says they're not done. And um, I, I can see that because I still think they're missing that stuff because Activision Blizzard, massive type, massive, massive company. And they do have, you know, big games in, in Asian markets, obviously. Um, but it, they're still a Western games developer making games for western audiences mm. i think that's where microsoft talks about this talked about this for years about wanting to um have games that will appeal to markets and countries that they don't currently appeal to it's one of the reasons they've been doing some stuff with idea xbox and trying to get developers from other markets to produce uh, make games for, via id and um and that's where i i feel microsoft will probably be acquiring of course all the fam boys want them to buy square enix or ubisoft or whatever but i think the opportunity <laughs> for for microsoft i think where they'll i think they'll probably be more strategic acquisitions in the future to support things like this mobile store and support things like pc and game pass expansion in markets where actually there probably isn't much of a console install base either either it's for xbox or just generally i keep i, I keep joking behind the scenes that you know microsoft's going to buy sega or buy square enix but like increasingly that seems unlikely because like my understanding is that like Japanese companies aren't particularly open to foreign ownership compared yeah, to yeah. like you know the amount but, of um, acquisitions we've seen in the West. Like J Japanese companies seem to be a lot more proud of being like fully domestic 
companies. Interestingly, so, I yeah, argue. Of- yeah, I agree. You know, it's, you know they've got big challenges there. But Sega's an interesting opportunity because Sega's got a big PC company, right? So a lot of big PC games. Hmm. They um, they have a lot of Japanese con- content and games um, that would be suitable for um, the Japanese market, Yakuza and games like that. But also, you know, um, uh, it's Persona titles there, Nis and all those sort of people. Um, but they um, they also um, have kids titles. I know Microsoft have you know a number of kids titles. They don't get much bigger than Minecraft, but you know things like Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff does sort of take Microsoft away from that uh, um, uh, that sort of shooter box historical perception that they they they, they still have it to a degree. Um, so you know, I actually thought Sega was at, before Bethesda before. Um, uh, Activision Blizzard, I actually thought they would be an ideal fit for Microsoft in terms of sort of ticking boxes mm. and stuff that they don't necessarily have a lot in, um, you know, because they have all those strategy games as well. And they also work with um, Sega Studios. And they work with Relic on um, uh, Halo Wars and um, uh, 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 Age of Empires and stuff like that. So but anyway, um, I, I do feel that there's... Um, Halo Wars was Creative Assembly. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so I've always, I always felt that... Um, um, that they were kind of a good fit at Sega, but they, you know, they don't have to buy them in order to, to have that relationship. And um, and mm. I, uh, and yeah, I think those are the opportunities. It might not be a Jap- Japanese studios might be beyond them, might be difficult. Um, they do have they do have one, I think. Um, but um, but you know, whether it's it doesn't have to be game com- doesn't have to be companies in those countries. Just make company companies making games that fit fit those markets. One last thing before we move on, I kind of cycle back again to the. Um... Uh, uh, mobile store conversation you were talking about content acquisition in terms of like you know incentivizing developers to release their content on uh, you know a microsoft mobile app store do you think they would um change up the revenue share because they've backed epic in the whole 30 percent um argument no. in, you know in that whole epic versus apple case like do you think they'd go 8812 like epic game store or something but perhaps well, different i don't know if that's the i don't know what their app store play is if it's a subscription play like you know um then maybe it's just they just they just give them a load of money up front um I, it's it's i'm not quite sure what the i'm suspect it will be in a far more aggressive offer um to because they're they're competing with an incumbent but then with a sorry um a dominant player but um again it depends what what this is what this um app store proposition is and whether it's a same monetization strategy of of apple or not i don't know i it's um mm. um it, you know it's it's i i can't, i have to imagine they'd be a little bit more aggressive and they'll utilize their uh, call of duty and sort of candy crush products as a as a as a as a means to pull in audiences initially and then um developers can sort of latch onto that but I suspect there'll be a lot of exclusive deals and arrangements and upfront money and being spent on those sort of deals. That's a fair point, actually. Like they need to build up the audience. Like that, that's part of part of been the um, argument about it not being financially viable to support other app stores on Android is because the audience goes to Google Play. Yeah. The audience just inherently goes to Google Play. So you need to you need to grow the audience before you can convince developers that it's worth putting the game on your store. Yeah. Um. Other thing I want to talk about before we kind of wrap up, still trying to keep these relatively micro, is um, it's not even a single story. There was a bit of a trend last week um, in terms of the number of companies that are openly saying they are refocusing on a core strength. So we saw Frontier Developments um, say in a note to investors that they are concentrating on 
uh, creative management simulation games, things like Planet Coaster, Planet Zoo, Jurassic World Revolution, um, Evolution, sorry, because the latest uh, Warhammer Age of Sigma title didn't quite meet expectations. You saw Creative Assembly um, essentially saying that they're going to focus on strategy games because that is what you know yeah, they best provides predictable returns for them and that's 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 what they do best exactly yeah which is the, part of the reason why hyenas was canned earlier um unity is focusing a bit more yeah. on its its um engine its unity it's actually cut ties with so it did deal with uh wet one of the wetter uh divisions yeah. you know wetter being the the vfx company before behind lord of the rings they cut they cut ties with that company so they can focus solely on their engine you've got a lot of companies now that are and that's just from last week i mean there are there are loads more examples well, now actually our own company yeah. um that's a fairly good um, example yes is reed pop who who have decided quite you know understandably that they um the events businesses are coming back they require a lot of energy a lot of effort and um they're a little bit smaller teams than they had before the pandemic and they need to put their energies into their growing events business so therefore uh, the digital businesses they operate, like GamesIndustry.biz, like Eurogamer, like What Paper Shotgun, don't fit that strategy. Thankfully, these are all profitable businesses, so they feel that they can, um, rather than having to cut or close, they can they can sell and find perhaps a, a, new, a more suitable home for these brands. That's that's the um, that's that's what they're saying. Um, and um, and yeah, so yeah, it is. But this is what happens when things get when things are tough. You know, focus on what you're good at. You know lean into your strengths when things are good that's when you start expanding and trying new markets and you know it, it's understandable you know a lot of the stuff that's been cut back are from companies that when when things are going really well they go oh maybe we should step out of our comforts and i always use jagex as a great example of this in that um uh, there was a period of time when runescape was doing really really well and they said right let's expand and they expanded and expanded and they put loads of energy into new new mmos and new ideas and new concepts and then eventually Unfortunately, this ended up harming their central RuneScape business, which is the, the 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 thing that you know you've got to make sure you don't do. And um, and in the end, they cut all the other things and just ended up focusing on RuneScape, and they were able to rebuild on the back of that. And um, and that's and that's having that core central strength and making sure that you are strong in those areas um, is what you do when you go, things are tough and when things perhaps are a little bit better. That's when you invest and try new things and try and expand our way um, and hope hope that, that you know you can grow in those areas and at the moment the market's going through tough times and these companies need to focus in on on making sure their court their central business is strong and, and cost effective and, and profitable and that means the other areas of the business even if they're successful might not be you know they're not able to give them the attention and love and <clears throat> that they that they need and um so are either cutting or um selling or you know some of them some of you won't be these won't make the stories but there'll be ones that they're just sort of leaving alone and just letting do what they do without any extra investment and stuff there'll be a lot of that happening as well um mm. it is it is a trend because the market's got it's a trend that sort of fits with the overall uncertainty and difficulty in in not just the games market but all markets at the moment one I've noticed that a lot of companies are kind of uh, trimming is third-party publishing. So Frontier was doing its Foundry publishing label. That's been, uh, if not canned, then at least put on the back burner. Digital Extremes um, closed an indie publishing division that it launched like last year. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. There have been other ones where like, on the one hand, 
it makes complete sense that, that that's the business that needs to go. And if you're going to focus on, if, you, if you're a company that has established your success, success by producing games, then publishing games is, is the discipline that you scale back on. On the other hand, that's fewer routes for indies and other studios to get their games to market. Not that there's a lack of indie publishers out there, but it just means that there are slightly fewer yeah. of them. Yeah, it's a competitive field. And if you are doing it on the side with a, you know, then it, it you know, it's, 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 a lot of those indie publishers, the ones that you named there, are ones that were set up because there's a central company working on a few big games that are doing really, really well. And they thought, you know what, actually, we can share our expertise and support a load of other studios and make their games successful. And now they need to focus in on what they're doing, you know, though that sort of sharing resource and working with other people um, doesn't necessarily make sense. I mean, I'm talking generally, like all these, it's the thing, I'm, we are talking generally, all these companies will have their individual issues, their individual challenges that are unique to them. And um, then, uh, 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 and you know, I'm not saying that for a second Frontier, uh, Frontier haven't really published many hits. It hasn't really worked out for them in a in a particularly big way. But I I'd argue they didn't really go for it either. Um, in in um, in 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 you know, um, so they 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 it makes sense for them to sort of focus in on what they do. And I suspect their shareholders are asking them to to really drill into. Um, um, uh, What's going on there but they're another example you know frontier floated they got a load of money they had a load of hit games and they went right we're going to invest in new areas of the business and those areas some of them have done okay but they've sort of broadly gone you know what they're, they're not working out and <clears throat> the investment isn't paying off so um let's let's focus go back to what we do and um and sort of um recalibrate from there um and it and it's really it's sad because obviously a lot of these you know nobody like you know results in job losses it results in market uncertainty but um, it, it's it's you, you have to hope that this you know maybe in a couple of years time we'll be start looking at you know these businesses expanding again maybe in different ways um, and learning the lessons from this period of time and um, and sort of trying again. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't think this would be the end of people. You know, it shouldn't be the end of people expanding and you know branching out of their comfort zones. I mean, the number of businesses that that have grown to deadly you know, have grown to become massive players in the market because they've branched out you know out of their comfort zone you know prime example amazon amazon was originally an online bookstore yeah. and now it's a retail N giant and everything else. nintendo made toys um, you know like <laughs> microsoft made operating software for pcs you know it's yeah it, sony made you know cameras and walkmans and it, it, it's 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 you know there were plenty of examples of people trying something new and it working yeah um unfortunately there's but that's the thing that's the thing with that's the thing with i always find it really difficult when we talk about obviously some people have lost their jobs and there's lots of it's really sad and really frustrating and, and really anger inducing and it, it was frustrating but at the same time you don't want to be i am always really wary of vilifying companies and bosses and management that take risks because it's through risks that's mm. you know we we failure is Ian Livingston would call it failure is success work in progress. You know, you've got to make these mistakes in order to grow. Um, you grow. You want to limit the damage from those mistakes, but it, it's it's kind of um, it's kind of a, you don't want to you don't want to make failure. Um, uh, I don't. I'm really wary of vilifying failure. Not because it. Not because I'm particularly worried about how I don't know uh, uh, Tim Sweeney feels or you know like it's 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 not about um, uh, uh, or Phil Spencer or anything like that, you know, these it's for, it's so that people who are watching this can feel, you know, 
So you don't want them to feel that failure is a is, is something that'll um, mm. is, is, is is something that's bad necessarily. It just it can happen. Um, so I'm always a bit wary of sort of being too critical of uh, these companies that have tried stuff and haven't worked out because um, um, it's ultimately how how success also comes about is through risk. So as you say, like the the important thing here is to learn from this period of time. And I think the lesson is to expand cautiously to yeah. to branch out somewhat cautiously whereas you know yeah i think yeah a bit of hubris i think that I, if i'm going to be one critical i think there's a lot of arrogance going around for quite a bit of time and i think just a little bit of humility uh, when we're sort of going for a bit of good time and be wary that these even the good times will pass um is is not is something that the games industry can learn from yeah we're going to wrap it up there because uh, we are probably probably stretching the the, the length of a microcast. It's not really micro, is it? Um, is the um, no? <laughs> um, we've got a busy week as well. We've got GTA Six. We've got the Game Awards. We've got um, we've got uh, uh, Fortnite and Lego and 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 all sorts of exciting things happening this week. So uh, let's get back to it. Absolutely, there's tons of stuff coming up and you can keep a track of it all as well as get more news, insight and analysis at gamesindustry.biz. <laughs>